Okay, Hank, I'm ready. Um, we're all family, right? We call ourselves church family, caring community family, right? We good? Okay. Um, I shared a little bit uh, from my heart last week, and I'm hoping that as family, you'll indulge me as, for lack of a better term, I vent a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> no doubt, by now, most of you have figured out that regardless of which box you choose, I'm rarely going to be the sharpest pencil in the box. Okay, I, I'll concede that. Not necessarily the dullest, but probably not the sharpest. Uh, so I have to say that right now, I feel clueless about much or most or pretty much all of what is going on in the world around me. When it comes to COVID, I'm clueless. When it comes to the challenges that our schools face from kindergarten through secondary education, I'm clueless. I cannot tell you how many times I said, I'm so glad I'm not a school superintendent right now. All right. Uh, when it comes to all that's going on on the political landscape, um, I, I have to say, I have opinions, but I'm clueless. When it comes to our economy, I just shake my head and I don't have a clue. When it comes to all that's going on in the whole spectrum of social justice, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the answers are. When it comes to doing church as we continue in this global pandemic, there are so many days that I just flat feel clueless. Some of you who've been around for a bit longer know that I tend to be a book guy. As newlyweds, Diane and I read books on how to build a godly marriage. When I found out we were going to be parents, I immediately got some books on parenting to try to help us figure it out. When I was asked to move to Albion to start a church, I got some books on church planting. When it was time for us to build our first building, someone gave me a book on planning church construction. At one point when Diana was really struggling with a lot of physical challenges, a friend who knew that I was a book person actually wrote it inside the book. I know you're a book person. Um, gave me a book on how to find strength and comfort when you're in the role of a caregiver. In the days before Google and YouTube, when I had a problem, I looked for a book. As you might expect for a number of months now, I've been longing for a book. I've been wishing there was just one book that could help me know how to process this whole global pandemic thing. I just, it's, it's not out there. I was wishing there was a book to tell me how to lead a church when you can't even gather for worship. But it's not there. I watched the YouTubes, I attended the podcasts and the Zoom meetings, and everybody had different solutions and answers and situations, and it just makes my head hurt to this day. Wishing there was a book with a surefire, proven 10-step plan on how to reopen your church in the midst of a global pandemic. When everybody has different ideas, opinions, and expectations. If only there was a book 
to help me make sense of the economic uncertainty that we face, the political turmoil, and the social upheaval. Gosh, I just wish. Wishing there was one book that offered time-tested insight into all the challenges that I'm facing. Is anybody else wishing for a book? Anybody? Am I the only one? Pat's wishing for a book. Thank you, Pat. Kind of like doing children's lessons when you only have one child. I only got one, one Pat to give me answers here. <laughs> Faith shared a, shared a verse. And I'm trusting you caught it. Is your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Friends, obviously, you guys were all there five minutes, not even five minutes, few few moments into my rant, all right? God's instruction book may not specifically mention COVID-19. I've checked. It's not there. There are plagues, but it's not there. It may not specifically mention Wall Street, but there's a whole lot talking about finance. It may not mention Donald Trump or Joe Biden, but there's a whole lot there about leadership and government authority. It may not mention George Floyd or Portland or Kenosha or anywhere else, but it speaks to every challenge that we face. And it calls us to honor him and love one another in every circumstance in which we find ourselves. But just like any other book, and again, if you went to my office right now, back when we did the building program, I called truckloads home. But if you went in my office right now, there are how-to books about a boatload of different things. All right? But those books sitting on my shelf, while they may impress people if I let you in my office, wow, he's got a lot of books. They don't do me a bit of good if I haven't read them and figured out what they have to say and how they relate to my circumstances and situations. Same with the book. Carrying it around, having every translation available known to man, having on every electronic device that I own, is not enough. Friends, listen carefully. I've said this before, year after year after year. Coming here once a week and listening me, to me talk about the book isn't enough. Better than nothing, but it's not enough. We're going to take a couple weeks and look at Psalm 119. I haven't decided yet how many weeks we're going to look at it, but we're going to be there for a bit. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. Depending upon the translation and how your Bible's laid out, in my Bible it's eight pages for one chapter, which is a lot of pages for one chapter in the Bible. Interestingly enough, in the original language, or the original text, of the 176 verses, 171 of them 
make some reference to God's word or God's teachings. Now, I've been saying it for a long time, but even I, not the sharpest pencil in the box, understand that if something's repeated, I ought to pay attention. And for God to take 176 verses, combine them together in one chapter, and 171 of them mention the same thing, just saying, maybe there's a clue there. Just throwing it out there. Psalm 119 is divided up into 22 sections, and in the Hebrew language, each section is marked by a different letter. And the first verse in each section starts with the letter that marks the beginning of that section. It's a poem of sorts, using both alliteration and repetition to aid in memorization. The idea is, let's repeat it, let's give you some tools that help you remember it, because this is important. If you're at all like me, Sometimes you can get so busy looking for answers that you forget to look for the answers that God has already given you. While it may be familiar, I'm going to take just a few moments and review just one section from Psalm 119. And it's the second section. We're going to jump into verse 9. And it simply says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Alright? And I don't think it's unreasonable to extrapolate that if living according to his word will help a young person stay on course, it's probably going to help all of us stay on course. How can a young person stay on the path of purity, on the right path, by living according to your word? Now again, it's not unreasonable to extrapolate and say, I can't live according to his word if I don't know what his word says. Is that fair? How can a young person stay on the path of purity, on the right path, by living according to his word? So let's go back to my, my rant, if you will. If I'm trying to figure all this out, all this stuff that I said I was clueless about, the starting point and the ending point needs to be on me to spend time figuring out what his word says and then trying to live according to that. Again, I, I mentioned Google and I mentioned YouTube and I'll be honest, that's a whole lot easier than trying to figure it out for myself. But I'm not, probably not the only one who's looked up a YouTube video on how to do something and found two conflicting suggestions. I'm not saying they're not both right, but ultimately I gotta figure out which one I'm gonna follow. And it's not just based on how many get the most likes and how many get the most thumbs down. But again, instead of just waiting, turning on the television, looking online for somebody to tell you what the answer is, to give you a clue. What if we were to say for ourselves? Let me see what the word says on that. 
Verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And again, if I need a clue, maybe the starting point is seeking harder and harder and harder after him. And once again, as I've said already, and I will say again before I'm done, the best way to not stray from his commands is to know what his commands are. It's got to start there. And yes, instruction from others is a part of that. But friends, God has made his word available to us, to us individually, so that we can tap into it for ourselves. Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. <clears throat> I understand that there are, and this is probably a bit of a gross oversimplification, but there are two types of people. When you buy something new, there's one group of people that pull it out of the box, start putting it together, and figuring out how it works. There's another group of people that pull out the instruction book and read it first. <laughs> All right. I think sometimes with life, we tend to all of a sudden realize something's broken. And then we run looking for the instruction book to figure it out. That's okay. We're not bad when we do that. But wouldn't we maybe possibly save ourselves some grief if we consistently read the instructions as we go through life? And to me, that's the whole idea of, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. No doubt some of you have had the experience where you're confronted with a situation and you can call it your conscience, you can call it the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you can call it coincidence, but when you're confronted with a situation, you're reminded, a thought in terms of what God would have you do in that situation comes to mind, and all of a sudden, it's clear. This is what I should do, because this is what God would have me do. I can tell you from my own experience and from the experience of people that are far wiser than I am that the more time we spend in God's word, the more we have hidden his word in our heart, the more we have immersed ourselves in the truth of his teaching for our own selves, getting in there and digging it out for ourselves, the greater the likelihood we will have that prompting, that insight, that thought when we most need it. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 12, praise be to you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. Again, since we're putting it out there, over the past, how many months has it been since we started this month? Five, six months with this whole stuff? I can tell you, I've spent a lot of time belly aching to God. I'm just putting it out there. And belly aching to anybody else who will listen. Mm -hmm. 
but not nearly as much time just saying, God, teach me. Teach me. I prayed a gazillion times. God, make this stop. God, get me back to where I want to be. But I haven't as often, nearly as often, been courageous enough to say, Lord, teach me your decrees as they apply to this specific situation. Now, I'm throwing that out there with regard to the whole COVID thing and our whole cultural thing and all of that. But what if we apply that to every aspect of our lives? Lord, teach me. What if we had the wisdom, the discipline, to pray that before we needed it? Starting every day by saying, Lord, teach me your decrees. Verse 13, with my lips I will count all the laws that come from your mouth. I think the video uh, from the children's video touched on that. With my lips I will recount the laws that come from your mouth. That whole idea of speaking back to God and reinforcing in my own heart and mind the truth of what he has to say is incredibly powerful and incredibly easy to overlook. How often do we spend time reciting God's truth as a means of reinforcing it in our lives? Again, I'll tell you, for me, and I've told you this before, when things get bad, I mean really messed up in my life, there's about a handful of different passages of Scripture that I'll go to, and I'll read them over and over and over again. I'll read them out loud multiple times a day, because at that moment, I understand my desperation, and by recounting his laws that come forth from his mouth, it gives me strength, and it gives me courage, and it gives me perspective. And I just shake my head and say, gee, it works when things are really bad. You're supposed to work every day? Oh my goodness. You mean I'm wasting all that resource because I don't do it intentionally and consistently? Just a thought. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Let's, let's just raise the bar a bit. I mean, again, let's say you got a call from the lottery commission and they send you one to Mega Millions even though you didn't buy a ticket. All right? You might be doing a little rejoicing, right? Calling folks up, doing handstands, whatever. I wonder, how often do we rejoice? in the opportunity we have to follow his statutes. I, I gotta say, I can't remember the last time I said, oh God, thank you that I have the privilege of walking in obedience. But it is a privilege, because friends, in and of myself, I don't have what it takes, and I don't deserve to walk in obedience. The only reason I can walk in obedience is because of his grace. And that should be cause for rejoicing. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Now again, I understand we're all wired differently. And some of us, some of us standing on the platform with their hand in the air, are prone to rehearse and recite and meditate on 
how bad things are. And meditate on what world am I going to do to fix this mess? And meditate on how bad things are going to be if they don't get fixed. But what? What if we were to meditate on his precepts and consider his ways? Because you know what? When we do that, my reading this morning just reminded me there is hope when I meditate on his precepts. And then the last verse for today. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Friends, this is not about trying to inflict guilt. But it is about saying, hey, how are we doing? Do we really delight in his word? Because the opposite is what it addresses next, neglecting his word. And again, this is not about what anybody else does, but it's an opportunity to step back and say, what, what am I doing with regard to his word? What would suggest to God that I delight in his decrees? And if you just think about that for a moment, I, I know that we are in the digital age. I get that. And I know that I'm a dinosaur, and I get that. But remember back in the day when the world notes? You know, I have a note. My wall's back there. I have a note in my wall right now that someone wrote me recently just to express thanks and appreciation. And I don't like in that note. Why else would I carry it around in my wallet? I mean, it was too valuable to me to just throw it away. I got, I, eventually, it'll probably get thrown away. But I just had to hang on to that. And I'll pull it out once in a while and just look at it and say, oh, whew, more fuzzy. I wonder. Do I delight in God's word that way? Because he's written us an awful lot of really neat notes about how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and giving us instruction even in the midst of all the nonsense that we face. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And I just want to wrap up on this topic of not neglecting God's word. And I want to close with an incredibly, again, I'm a simple guy, an incredibly simple challenge. If you're not currently involved in a Bible reading plan, I invite you to make a very simple 22-day commitment. 22 sections, 22 days. Start tomorrow. Eight verses, I mean, eight verses a day, friends, that's not a lot. But if you're not doing anything, it's a lot more. If you're already involved in a Bible reading plan, it'll just take a minute or two to tack this on to what you're already doing. But just imagine for the rest of September, each of us reading the same eight verses 
every day and asking God to speak to us. Before you read your phone, your digital device, whatever you do, if you don't have any of that, I'll print it out for you. But before reading each day, just ask God to show you something special about His Word. If you're using whatever you're using, use your digital device, you can highlight. The old-fashioned way you can mark, you can highlight. But just make note of the things about God's Word that stand out to you. And then close in prayer by just asking God to increase your interest in His Word and help you apply what you read. I know it's simple. But in a time when disunity is rampant, when even in this room we have wildly different opinions about virtually every topic of the day, I think there's value in each of us reading and praying over the same passage for 22 days. And that's my invitation to you. Back to where we start. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Would you pray with me? Father, as I said, it's incredibly simple. It's incredibly basic. But I believe with all of my heart that you gave us your word for times like this. Father, you know what's going on in our and you know how you would have each and every one of us respond to that. And I pray that we would renew our commitment. I pray that you would empower me to renew my commitment to look to your word for guidance and direction for each and every situation. That we might be a people who hide your word in our heart. That we might walk consistently in obedience. That we would delight in your word rather than neglect your word. Father, give us a hunger and thirst for what you have to say to us and give us the strength to apply it to our lives. I thank you, Father. Amen.